thank you for joining us today at our special Father's Day service. We'll take a look at the story of the prodigal son and see how the Heavenly Father loves us as a true father should. We hope you enjoy. All right, all right. That's fun, isn't it? And some of us sit here with a big smile on our face and we're like, yes, my dad is a superhero. But with hundreds of people that have been here today and will be watching, uh, there's also going to be some that say, my dad is a super zero. And the truth is that we've all experienced uh, somewhere on that spectrum, dad, right? And so the good thing that I could say on Father's Day that I can't say necessarily on Mother's Day is... I know that as an earthly father, we, we fall short, and also we have our successes, and we have the good, the bad, the superhero dad, the super zero dad, but here's what I do know. Our heavenly father is all that. Amen. Our heavenly father is all that. So I want to say happy Father's Day to everybody out there, and we are going to take a look at a very familiar story to, to many of you. And I'm going to ask you to take off the familiarity with the story and look at it with fresh eyes. And we're going to learn about superhero dad traits from this story. Can you, can you think about that? Superhero dad traits. Now, here's what I do know. Not everyone's a dad, and I'm not just speaking to the ladies. Uh, I know some of you men uh, aren't fathers, but here's what I do know. We're going to look at superhero traits for dads, but the truth is these traits are for all of us to be superhero people. Amen? All right, let's, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. God, it is good to be in your house. It is good that we get to take a shower of grace every day because, God, we certainly have messed up this week, and we've also had our successes. And, God, we thank you that you love us despite us sometimes. God, thank you for every person that's made today a priority, whether it's online, listening, or here in this room live. God, we are grateful to be in your presence. Help us, Lord, uh, where we uh, need to go and give us hope and give us courage, give us excitement. And I had to even pray that you give us all a smile as we walk out of this place today. God, you are so good. And thank you for being such a great heavenly father. We love you in the powerful name of Jesus. And all God's people said. Amen. So I want to, before I start the sermon, I want to share a few fun things, a few blessings. One is, uh, for many, many months, 11 months, many of you guys have been praying for my friend and yours. And so uh, Alan Cirillo is with us today for the first time in 11 months. Alan has been battling a real bad case of COVID, six months in the hospital, a lot of surgeries, a lot of therapy. And so praise God that Alan's with us uh, here today. That, that's pumping my heart. That's getting me excited. The second thing is I woke up to a text today that is like, yes! So I, you remember just before COVID, we um, went, uh, Greg and I went to, to uh, Kenya. We went to the slums of Nairobi, and then we sent a team out there. Well, since then, we bought property in the slums of uh, uh, Nairobi, just a little, little sliver there, built a little church there. And the pastor this morning, uh, here's a picture, baptized 42 kids this morning. So church, that's worth celebrating. Even though we're thousands and thousands of miles apart from each other, God uh, allows us to partner in this way for his gospel. Amen? 
And here's the last thing before I preach. I just want to say, I love this day. I, I love my dad. I miss my dad. I think it's been about 13 years since he, he went from this earth. But I also love being a dad. And I have these two boys. So here's a recent picture. Some of you have no idea. That's Drew on the back. And there's Easton in the front. And so I just am blessed to have two awesome boys that God gave my wife and I from heaven. Right? They're, 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 they're his, but we get to be stewards of them. So that's, that's my thoughts for today. Are you ready to get going? All right. So you can see my heart, my, my heart is full. That's, that's a good thing. Well, you know what? You guys, you guys are so good. You deserve this. I'm going to give you a bonus trait of being a good dad. You ready? This isn't going to pop up anywhere on the notes or anything, but I think it's really important. So let me do it this way. Why did the foot, football coach go to the bank? Come on, to get his quarterback. Church, think about this. It's not a good Father's Day unless you get some dad jokes. Come on, some of you are going to be writing these down for the lunch this afternoon. Go ahead. It's a two-drink minimum. Anyways, no, sorry. Air used, you know air used to be free at the gas station? But now it costs $2.50. You know why? Inflation. <laughs> Oh, come on, they get better. I told my wife that a husband is like fine wine. It gets better with age. I woke up the next day. I found myself locked in a cellar. (laughs) Come on. Come on. Come on. That's good. All right. Why did the orange lose the race? It ran out of juice. (laughs) Jonah Flett, thank you for laughing at that one. These are better than your dad's jokes, right? Yes, yes, yes. All right, I'll give you one more. What state is known for the smallest drinks? What state is known for the smallest drinks? Minnesota. (laughs) Thank you. There you go. My Minnesota friend, Lori. There you go. All right, I'm stopping. I'm stopping. I gave gave first service 20 of them. You get five. That's it. That's it. That's it. (laughs) Let's get on to the good stuff. Let's go to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, and we're going to look at this story. Uh, Luke chapter 15, it's called a parable. Uh, We've said this often. Jesus spoke in parables. They're earthly stories with heavenly meanings, right? Earthly stories with heavenly meanings. So here in this story, I've always looked at it, to be honest, and preached from it. Uh, from the uh, prodigal son standpoint, from the son and all the things he could have done better and all the grace that has shown him. But we're going to look at this from the father's perspective. And I believe there's five traits. There's probably more, but there's five traits that I've pulled out of here that will help us to be super dads and not only super dads, but super humans, I believe, and literally could change our world. That's a pretty bold statement, but I believe it. Luke chapter 15, let's go. Verse 11. Jesus continued. Some of you are going, Minnesota, I finally get it. Okay. Um, (laughs) There was a man who had two sons. Hey, I have two sons. Or I have two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, let's not, usually we'll just run right past this. I got my friend Ken Crafton here and preached this probably a billion times, right, Ken? But here, here, I mean, but stop right here. There's two sons, and, and, and automatically it says the older one asked, made a request of his father, and he wanted the inheritance, and his father divided it. So, so right here, 
I think we're going to find our first trait of a super dad. The first trait, write this down, approachable. Approachable. I've never seen this. I've never seen this before. But I, I thought it from a practical standpoint, from a father's eyes, and it makes sense. The younger son, even though the, the request was ridiculous, the younger son was comfortable enough to go and approach his dad. And I'm thinking, you fast forward to 2022, one of the best things that you and I as fathers can hear, and by the way, all of us, is that we are approachable. And I would just simply ask you, dads, are you approachable? Can your five-year-old approach you and talk to you? Can your 12-year-old, can your 19-year-old, can your 42-year-old come to you and talk to you? Are you a safe person? And the reality is some of you are like, of course, you know, gosh, all my kids, they love hanging out. They love talking to me. But the truth is there's many dads walking on this earth today that are not approachable. Would you agree with that? But this could be life-changing. This could be country-changing if we would make ourselves approachable. That's the first trait. A super dad is approachable. Yes, the request is ridiculous. However, the son felt comfortable enough to go make that ridiculous request. You know, one of the things I think about being approachable, I think in order to be approachable as a father, the way to get there is you gotta be humble. What do you mean by that? And again, this is all, this is my opinion, okay? This is my opinion. I'm pulling these things out of here because I think they're in there and you could agree and disagree and we could both go to heaven, right? Well, maybe, no. But I, I really do, I really do believe a great trait is being approachable and I think being approachable starts with you and I being humble and in our world today, and it's been for many, many, many years where we have men been taught that we are the man of the house, and we are in charge, and, and, and as dad says, it goes. And, 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 and my, my friends from the Hispanic culture, and I've had this said, I can't even tell you how many times this has been said in my office. But they, they call it machismo, yeah? And the machismo mindset is, I'm the man, and what I say goes. And you don't question me, and if I say jump, you say, you know, how high? And that mindset is not approachable, is it? If, if that's how God treated us as God the Father, none of us would ever want to communicate with him in prayer. So why in the world would we on this earth as earthly fathers model what, 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 what culture says is a father and not model what God does? I think you and I as men, as fathers, need to be approachable. That our f- kids should not be afraid of us. Yes? No, I better sit and relax. You see, when we're, when, we're, when we're humble, then we're not thinking highly of ourselves. We understand whose we are and where our position is. And sometimes our authority have, of men and as fathers have been put out of whack because culture almost celebrates that. I want you to turn your Bibles to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter four, verse 16. Again, God is not asking something of us that he wasn't willing to model himself. Here's God. 
And God says in Hebrews chapter 4, 16, let us then approach God's throne of discipline, of shame, of criticism, of ridicule. Is that what it says? It says, let us then approach God's throne of what? Grace and confidence so that we may receive what? A lashing? Made to feel stupid? Insignificant? No, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us, to help us in our time of need. Isn't that wonderful about our Heavenly Father? He says, come and approach. Come, I'm not sitting on a throne and and zapping everybody and telling my minions what to do. I am God that has created this world and has created you in my image and I want you to come hang out with me. Come to me. I love it in Matthew 11, chapter 28. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will what? I'll give you rest. Church, does not feel good? Wow. No matter how good we're doing in life or how bad we're doing in life, our Heavenly Father says, come. Dads, are we approachable? And if we say no, guess what? It's not too late. It's not too late. Oh, but my kids are 40 years old and 50 years old and 60 years old. It's never too late. Humble yourself and make yourself approachable. Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 5. Therefore, if any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete and be like-minded, the scripture says. Having the same love, being one in spirit and mind. Now, here it is. Do what? Do nothing. What does nothing mean? Let me give you a hint. It means nothing. Okay? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in what? In humility. In humility, value, value who? Value others more than yourself. Is that modeled to us by men? Is that modeled to us by our culture? Is that celebrated in our culture? And I would say, no way. Like, you're weak if you do that. And that's why sometimes men are criticized that are Christians. Oh, you need that crutch of Jesus? You betcha. And by the way, you need two crutches. Right? I think one of the strongest things that we could do as a man is humble ourselves and say, I need Jesus. And if we can model that to our kids and we can model it to the women, we can model it to our culture, our culture would be different. But in our insecurity, we act machismo. We act tough. We're in charge of everything, and we got it all figured out, and then we curl up like a ball in bed and hope the world doesn't see how weak we really are. So why not just come out? Why not just come out and say, you know what? I'm a man, and the manliest thing I could do is humble myself and consider others better than myself. Our world, our country, our state, our community would look entirely different if we just were approachable and humble. Can I give you a little, another thing about this? <laughs> I'm so simple. But sometimes we need simplicity, right? In order to be approachable, you need to be present. 
Did you catch that? I am um, sorry, I'm picking on you guys. Ken and Lori Kraft are really heavily involved in um, the homeless crisis. And praise God for all the work that they do. Um, Lori and I were talking, I don't know, about a month ago. And, and it's, this shouldn't be new news to you guys. And, and, and we've had, we've had um, celebrities say the same thing. Statistics say the same thing. This is a bold statement I'm going to make. One of the ways in which we could eradicate homelessness, that we could solve the problem of homelessness, is this sermon today. That's pretty bold, isn't it? But the reality is, what's really hurting our nation, and this does not belittle, doesn't make you less than mothers, but what's really hurting our nation is fathers aren't present. Fathers aren't present. And because fathers aren't present, it leads to all these other things that leads to other things that leads to other things. Does that make sense? So this sermon's really important, not because Rob Denton's saying anything special, because we can learn from the scripture. Are you approachable? And approachable means being humble, and approachable means being present. You can't be approached if you're not there. Dads, be there. And one of the things I learned, and I'm just going to tell you, one of the benefits of having kids every 14 years old, or 14 years, we have a 14-year-old and a 28-year-old, is I learned with my older son when he was two years old, and I'm, I'm a brand new Christian, I'm a brand new father, I'm trying to figure this thing out, and people are saying, you need to spend time with your kid, and I'm like, man, I'm having long days at work, I come home, and the honest truth is, even then, I was a young dad and I was feeling this, okay? I wanted to come home, I wanted to sit on the chair and throw sports on, right? I had a two-year-old running around the Energizer Bunny, right? And I was supposed to show up exhausted and participate. So I'm like, oh, I need to be present. So what I said to myself was, I'm sitting in the chair in the same room as he's doing Lincoln Logs or Legos or Tinker Toys. Some of you are going to have to Google those things. They're really cool toys, all right? They're not on a screen. You actually have to touch them, but um, it's cool. But I learned just to be in the same room with my kid was not to be present. Did you catch that? And so on the way from work to home, I always had to pray, God, help me to have enough energy till I put that kid to bed at 7.30 and then it's my time. <laughs> Are you with me? I just, I just think this is gold. And this is good for us that don't have just two-year-olds, but we have 42-year-olds. Be present, be available, be approachable. Oh, they never want to hang out with me. They never want to do this. They're too busy. They're climbing the corporate. That's okay. That's them. You be you. And be approachable. Be approachable. Be approachable. And one day they'll show up. Can I hear an amen to that? Woo! I better sit down again. We got some stuff going on. Here's the reality is this young man was disrespectful to his father. Can I hear an amen? You're like, what? The culture. I mean, that would be disrespectful today, but it's almost expected. Like, oh, yeah, my kid asked for his inheritance early, so I gave it to him. And we'd be like, okay, you know, whatever. We see all that. Back in that culture, to do that was, uh, uh, um, you don't do that. So disrespectful. And let me give you some fruit of my study. Why would this be disrespectful? Well, one reason is inheritance was given at time of death. That was the rule. You didn't get your inheritance till your father died. You as a younger son got a third and your older sibling got two thirds. Not fair, but that's the rules. 
Okay? So it was disrespectful because that didn't even happen till death. The second thing is, if the father gave the inheritance early, the community in which he lived in would know this and they would disrespect him. They would call him a bad father for giving into this. So he's got the cultural pressure. The other thing is, when he says, Dad, can I have my inheritance early? This is what he's saying. Dad, I wish you were dead. That's what he was saying. Dad, I wish you were dead. So, you know, all of this is an act of rebellion. And so I want to put it into your minds like this. Don't just run through this. But this is totally wrong. And you're going to see how amazing the father reacted to this in just a little bit. Deuteronomy 21, 18 through 20. Don't, don't get mad at me. Remember, I'm reading scripture, okay? Some of you are going to love this verse, and you're going you're gonna to bring it home to your kid like today. Some of you have your kids sitting with you, and you're going to bring it home to them right now. Don't let me Deuteronomy you. Deuteronomy 21, 18, what do you do with disrespect? If someone has a stubborn and rebellious son, nobody, nobody in this room, a lot of people in first service. <laughs> if someone has a stubborn, rebellious son, or you were a stubborn and rebellious son, who does not obey his father and mother and will not listen to them when they discipline him, there's another bonus, by the way. A super dad is humorous and a super dad disciplines. I didn't talk about, I'm not talking about that in the sermon, but part of our problem today is we don't discipline our kids. All right, I'm going to get some great emails on this one. His father and mother shall take him, if he's not listening, take him and bring him to the elders in the gate of, can you imagine tonight, this afternoon, you're like little Johnny or little Susie's, I'm going to call Pastor Rob. Worse yet, we're going straight to the chairman of the elders, Vince Wagner. You're done. But that's what right here, right? We're going we're gonna to go and bring them to the elders at the gate of his town. They shall say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Now watch this. Then all the men of his town are to stone him to death. You must purge the evil from among you. All Israel will hear of it and be afraid. I'm telling you, we need to bring discipline back. (laughs) You see what we do today is we don't threaten them with stoning them. We just let them get stoned. (laughs) Yeah, suck on that one for a second. (laughs) Sorry, don't suck on that one. But think about it, right? I mean, this, this, is, this is how, I mean, you go, oh my gosh, I'm turning them into child services. Oh my gosh, you looked at them wrong. Well, I'm not talking about beating kids. I'm talking about disciplining kids. I'm talking about saying no and sticking with it. And I'm telling you, that would save a lot of issues that we've got going on today. I'm glad I'm exiting out the back here today. <laughs> so here's what, here's what I thought for the very first time. I've preached on this a bunch. First time ever. <laughs> I'm a little slow. Why did the father say yes? <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? Like as ridiculous of a request and as crazy it is and the ridicule and the embarrassment he's going to get as a father and the older son and all, just all that stuff. What, why, did, why did the dad say yes? And it led to a second trait. Our children's director, Amy Gonzalez, I just saw your hair. You're going to 
get some feedback on parenting stuff, maybe good or bad, and go, how, how can we fix this? But I hope we're in line on this. I hope we're in line on this. The second trait, are you ready? <sighs> Allow failure. <gasps> Did I just say that? Yes. A super dad allows his kids to fail. And I would even go as far as to say, not just allow them to fail, but celebrate failure. And you know what? I know, and you're sitting at, you're probably turning me off online. You guys have to just sit there politely still. I cringe at this whole, everybody deserves a trophy monster that we've created. I cringe at it. Because what it says is, everybody, whether you put in the work or not, deserves the same thing. And I want to tell you, that's baloney. And we've created generation after generation now of of, of people that that, that grow up now when they got a trophy at seven years old for doing nothing and climbing up the hill and chasing after butterflies and pulling weeds when all the other kids were swinging bats and running and and learning and, and listening to the coach. And at the end of the day, we all get the same exact trophy for doing nothing. And when I grew up, and I'm sorry, I'm making myself sound old, but you won if you won, and you lost if you lost, and you learned how to lose. We haven't taught anybody how to lose, and so now you're 20 and 30 and 40 years old, and you don't get the promotion, and you don't get the car like everyone else has, and you don't get the latest uh, iPhone like everyone has, and you're like, but everyone should all have an i-52, And everybody should have cable and everybody should have a Tesla and everybody should get promoted whether they're successful at their job or not. And that's baloney. And what we do is we make our greatest strides when we fail. I got my rear end worked and slammed all over the mat in wrestling as a freshman and as a sophomore. I didn't get a trophy. I got bloody lips, black eyes, and a lot of pain. And I had to decide what I was going to do with that failure, and it propelled me to succeeding my junior year. And sometimes we succeed and sometimes we don't. But John Maxwell said this in a book I read many, many years ago on leadership. It's called Failing Forward. We need to teach our kids how to fail forward and stop being a helicopter parent. This is where I'm really going to get the emails and texts. If you're a helicopter parent, you need to repent. You do. Don't don't wear that as a badge of honor. Oh, I'm there for everything, and every time they're ready to trip and fall. You know, there was a time where pastors were seen as authority figures, where teachers were seen as authority figures, where coaches were seen as authority figures and respected. And yes, there's bad in all of those things, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, parents have pushed away all of that. And they've buddied up and been friends with their kids and they go up against teachers now. They go up against coaches that aren't playing them all the time. They go up against pastors. I mean, what, where have we gone wrong? <laughs> I don't see any smiles. You're like, man, are you on some pain medicine? Yeah, but that's okay. I, I believe this to be true. That's why the father said, yes, probably knowing his son was gonna fail. We got criticized, Lisa and I, not by lots of people, but we got criticized when my 15-year-old on his own 
I came home and he goes, Dad, I went to the fire station right across the street from our house. 106 is right there on Roscoe and Woodlake. And he goes, I signed up for the cadet program. How awesome is that, right? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't quite know what it meant. And then months later, he's like, Dad, um, I'm going to do a ride along. And uh, they asked me to spend the night. And we were criticized because how would you let your 15-year-old go and spend the night with a bunch of firemen? You know how corrupt he could get, and you know the things that they watch, and you know the things that they say and do, and the joking and this and that. And one of the things I learned early on is I'd rather my son fail while living under my roof than fail the first time outside of the roof. You see, I have a 15-year-old granddaughter, 15-month-old granddaughter. I love her to death, little Taylor. Today, little Taylor started walking about a month ago. And as much as a grandfather, I want to chase her around and make sure she doesn't hit anything and bump into anything. The truth is, I got to let, and don't turn me into child services, I got to let Taylor bounce off of a wall and fall and have a little bump on her head and let tears come down. Because if I protected little Taylor every time, that's not going to help her in any way. She bumps into a wall a few times, she's not going to bump into a wall for the rest of her life. Are you with me, church? Super dads allow failure, celebrate failure, but are present, right? That's the difference. We don't just go, okay, go off, kid, good luck, fail. <laughs> well, the dad was still there, right? The dad was still there. Whew. Luke 15, 13. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for the distant country with his credit card <laughs> there and squandered his wealth and wild living. After he spent all of his money on crypto and lost it, oh wait, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself to, to be a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to be with the pigs. Now, just to give you a little example here, Jewish and pigs, they don't go together. Um, and uh, I'll just leave it there. He, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, and that's key when he came to his senses, how many of my father's hired servants have it better than me? I'm starving here to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned. I've screwed up. I've messed up. I was stupid. Those are loose translations. <laughs> against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like the one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with, now check this out. He was totally disrespected. His back was turned. All the hard work his father earned, all that money, all that inheritance. His son threw it all away. The father got up while he was a long way, was filled with regret, was filled with anger, was filled with disrespect for his son. Says he was filled with what? compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he what? And he kissed him. You see, again, we see the son is comfortable enough to what? Approach his dad, even after he made a mistake. Amen. Are you approachable even if your kids make a mistake? These are some tough questions. He had totally disrespected his father. Church, I, I could go off on another sermon, and I think I did a couple weeks, a couple months ago. Um, part of all this is um, we would do much better if we brought respect back into our country. But respect back in our country is not going to happen until respect is brought back into the home. Amen. And when respect's brought back into the home, 
then it gets pushed into the community, then it gets pushed into the state, and then it gets pushed, right? But we got to start at home. Dads, how's your mouth at home? How's your mouth when you watch the news and you talk about political things? How's your mouth on the road? How's your mouth about your neighbor? How are you modeling men how you treat women? How you treat yourself? Some of us don't respect our bodies, and so we're letting our bodies go. I mean, there's so much, there's so much to this. Amen? And so the third trait is respectful. A super dad is respectful. A super person is respectful. What is respect? There's so many definitions, but I, I simply say it's holding in high regards or high esteem another person. But see, why we don't respect, why we don't hold doors open, why we, why we slam everybody is we're so insecure that we have, to, we have to make everyone else look so bad so it makes us feel better about ourselves. Just know who you are in God, that you're his creation, made in his image. I'm good with that. And whether someone disrespects you or not, you can still respect them. I remember I told you guys many, many years ago, I held a door open for a lady and she just looked me up and down and said, I could hold a door open for myself. That hasn't stopped me from holding doors open for ladies, right? You just do it. I know she's competent of that, but I want to respect her. Does that make sense? Whew. Let your words and actions be respectful. The, 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 the fourth trait that we can learn from this is what was the father's response? The father's response was his heart was filled with what? Compassion. Even though his son dishonored him, made him a fool in his community, showed him all kinds of disrespect. He had compassion. Dads, you have a heart because God made you in his image. Don't tell me you don't. <laughs> We've been taught by society to hold that. A man is this. He doesn't show his feelings. He doesn't touch. He's not affectionate. He doesn't kiss his kids. He doesn't hug. That's a bunch of baloney. This father did what? He had compassion in his heart. He ran. You know how embarrassing that would be if the neighbors were looking out their windows? to see the father running after the disobedient son instead of sitting there going, all right, come to me under my conditions. Church, compassion is beautiful. Super dads show their love, super dads hug, and super dads kiss. Have a heart and show it. Well, if you look at Luke 15 as we close, the father the son said, Father, I've sinned against you in heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on. Go get the carne asada and guacamole. We're going to celebrate. Now, again, you could agree or disagree, but I did my study on the Greek and fatten calf, kill it and bring the best is carne asada and guacamole. For the son of mine was dead, and he's alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. The last trait of a super dad is a super dad is generous. Don't be selfish. Don't keep putting it all into your hobbies and putting it all into your cars and putting it all in the things that you didn't have when you were a kid. Yes, dads, we're allowed to have our stuff. We're allowed to have our hobbies. I'm not saying that. Enjoy life, okay? But also be generous. Be generous with your family. Be generous with your neighbors. Be generous with your church. And that means time, that means resources, that means money. Amen? So here, can I conclude this way? And again, this is just me. But these are five traits that I think are pretty cool. 
that if we implemented them not just as fathers, but as human beings, I think our world would be different. Would you agree? A super dad or a superhuman is approachable, allows failure, is respectful, is compassionate, and generous. What one thing in that five are you the best at? And what one thing could you work at this week? Father, thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. Forget all my rebellion.